I want to take a minute to pass out Bibles to anybody who would like to, a Bible. Uh, our ushers have uh, copies of Bibles. We just, if you need one, we would encourage you to follow along. We're in the book of First Peter. We're going to be on page 840, um, and you will need a Bible to uh, follow along. And then a quick comment about uh, Welcome to the Family. It starts Tuesday night. We have asked uh, that 10 people sign up for the class, and um, if we don't get 10, we won't have the class. So please consider that. It's a class. We're going to talk about uh, what the... Uh, what the bridge believes, um, really important issues for the, for the church. Uh, the class may lead to um, membership. It's not required. You can come to the class just because you want to be involved in a class and, and you want to learn. So consider that. Um, back on May 27th, Sue was still out of town, and I had to go to the Madison area to do a funeral. And so I was driving toward Madison by myself. And as I was driving along, I hadn't gotten quite to Toma. I could see way up ahead, probably over a mile, a squad car with flashing lights. I was in a pretty heavy group of traffic, and I had just passed a car and pulled over, and all of a sudden, three or four cars just zoomed by me. Now, I'm not sure how fast I was going. They were going way faster than me. All of a sudden, out of the inside came three flashing patrol cars, flashing lights, three at once, going after three. When I got down there, there were two others. There were five cars stopped. And before I got to Madison, there were nine patrol cars stopping uh, people. Now, I don't know why they picked that day. And, of course, I didn't get stopped, of course. Uh, but whatever we do or wherever we go, we have to deal with authority figures. We have teachers and coaches and mentors and parents. We have employers and supervisors and bosses. We have federal government and state government and county government and city government. We have military authority we have police departments, and we have a sheriff's department, and we have judicial authority. We have laws for speed limits and stop signs and stop lights and roundabouts. We have tax laws and tax deadlines. You already knew that. We have laws for who can vote and who can be elected. Sometimes we obey the laws and sometimes not so much. Uh, sometimes we like the authority in our lives and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we criticize. Sometimes we speak dishonorably about authorities over us. The Bible speaks directly about the issue um, of authority and how our attitude is directly related to our spiritual lives. And that's what we're going to talk about today in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 13 through 25. When life brings adversity, entrust yourself to the one who judges justly, because that's what Jesus did, and that's what Peter has to say for us today. First of all, in verses 13 through 17, watch your attitude toward government. This is where we bring politics in to the church. 
Watch your attitude toward government. Uh, what is your attitude toward government right now? Think about this. What is your attitude toward your president? What is your attitude toward your governor? I don't know what it is. But this is what Peter is speaking to us about. This is what God wants to say to us this, mo- this morning about these things. Now, before we just jump into 1 Peter chapter 2, we're actually going to have to go to Romans chapter 13, and that's on page 788. And understand that God is the one who's established authority. Understand that God is the one who has established human authority. And so we're going to start with Romans chapter 13 just uh, to lay some groundwork before we look at Peter's words. Romans chapter 13. Uh, This is how God established human authority. Look at this. Romans chapter 13. Everyone must who? Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Now make some applications there. In the first century, God established the governing authorities. I don't think God has stopped establishing governing authorities today. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, uh, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling at what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. You know, pretty simply here, the Apostle Paul uh, is saying, when we don't follow the authorities that God has placed over us, our government, we are dishonoring God. We're not following God's instructions. Um, Verse 3, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free or fear the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will command you. The whole point is uh, for us to do what is right. That's what God's goal is uh, in giving these instructions. Verse 4, for he is God's servant to do you good. Be clear on that. The governing authorities whether you like it or not, are God's servant, whether they know it or not. They've been placed there with a role, and they have responsibility, and they are to administer justice for God. They are to serve God, whether they know it or not. Uh, For he is God's servant to do you good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing." Uh, the idea of the sword is uh, he's the executioner, and, and um, he has the right to um, um, execute justice. Uh, for us, that means uh, laws and uh, police and uh, courts and prisons. So, uh, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant. Again, he is an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of the possible punishment, but also because of conscience. And verse 6 is for us. This is why you also pay taxes, um, for the authorities are God's servants. God is the one who's established government in society since the beginning. And um, he has made it responsible for his people, Old Testament people, 
the church, the New Testament, to uh, follow the authority of the government. Uh, they're God's servants. Give everyone to what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. God is for you paying taxes. Uh, none of us want higher taxes. But God wants us to pay our taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. God wants us to respect our governing authorities. He wants us to honor our authorities. It is not based on whether they deserve it or not. It's based on the position they have been given. And it requires respect from us and requires honor from us. Okay, that's just a little groundwork before we get to our passage. Um, so, you know, we have so much freedom in our country. We live in an awesome country, and we have so much freedom. Sometimes we get confused. Sometimes we, we, we get so caught up with being an American that we forget sometimes what it means to be a Christian. And uh, we have so much freedom that we can be thankful for. And we have freedom to disagree with our government. And we can disagree honorably. And we can make protests. We have, we have a case history of civil disobedience. And people can disobey the government and take the consequences for a higher cause. There, that's a, we have an amazing place. And our, and our government doesn't kill us uh, if we disagree with them. This is an amazing place to live. We have ways that we can go about changing laws that we don't agree with. And we can do it in a way that honors God and honors people. It's an amazing place to live. There's been no other place like this in history. Okay, so I just wanted you to understand how God has established human authority. So if you speak of your government and government officials, you should speak with honor and respect. If you disagree with your government, speak with honor and respect. Feel free to disagree. In verses 13 and 14, uh, we come to Peter's words for us, and we want to understand submission to authority is a general rule. Submission to authority is a general rule. Look at verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority. For us, that would be like our president. Verse 14, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and command those who do right. So Peter is really reinforcing the Apostle Paul's instructions from Romans chapter 13. Submission is a general rule for government authority to the king. Now just, you know, we have a problem because if we don't like somebody that has authority over us in America, we can criticize them, we can say whatever we want because of freedom of speech. And it's great to have freedom of speech. But you know who was the king in Peter's day and Paul's day? His name was Nero, and he was a Roman emperor, and he was the most powerful man on earth. And he wasn't a fun guy, and he wasn't a well-liked person, and he wasn't particularly nice to Christians. And yet, both Peter and Paul tell Christians 
to submit to the governing authorities, starting with the king, starting with the emperor of Rome. Uh, And to governors, whether they're named Pontius Pilate or whether they're Democrat or Republican. That's what uh, Peter tells us. So the general rule is submission to authority. And I can, you know, I can think of there, there are things that I don't agree with the government on totally. And there are things that I think laws that need to be changed. And there are ways to go about doing this. Um, I can't ever think of a time that the government has asked me to do something that's immoral. Um, let me, let me uh, give you an exception from Scripture where the leaders did not obey their authorities. In uh, an exception would be in Acts chapter five, verses twenty-eight and twenty-nine. And here's a case where uh, the early apostles had been told not to preach in the name of Jesus publicly. Okay, and so here's we gave you strict orders. This is to Peter not to teach in this name. That is the name of Jesus. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Uh, what they're saying is. You're accusing the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem for being guilty of crucifying Jesus Christ. And, of course, they were. But so they had told him not to use that name, not to teach. Verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. There is a higher law than our government, and it is God, and it is God's law. It is always, always, always higher it's the only exception to dishonor uh human authority and um our our governing authorities is when there is a higher law or when some when the government or someone is asking us to break one of god's laws so why should we submit to authority Uh, reason number one it's for the lord's sake verse 13 it's for the lord's sake um It's for Jesus' sake. It's for Jesus' name, and it's for Jesus' reputation. Why should we obey? For Jesus' reputation, for his name, um, and for the cause of his kingdom. The problem is we often want to put our own kingdom first. We want to put our own little desires and wants and rights ahead of his kingdom. So... Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. Reason number two, it is God's will and it's good. It's God's will and it's good. Verse 15, for it is uh, God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. This is God's will. It's God's plan that you obey governing authorities and you are doing good. When you submit to governing authorities, you are... Uh, doing God's will, you are uh, obeying God, you're doing it for the Lord's sake. And when you do this, whenever you follow God's instructions, you have a chance to engage God in your circumstances. When you obey, when you live by faith and do what he says, and it's oftentimes, well, we're, we're afraid or we're too passive or I don't want to get involved and When we obey God's instructions, we have a chance to see God step forward and to work because it's uh, God's will. And by doing this, uh, we can 
our actions can be and our attitudes can be stronger than what people are saying when, when critics come. Uh, and Peter says, you can silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. There were people who criticized Christians in the first century without accurate knowledge. They were foolish. They said things like Christians eat uh, our cannibals and they eat blood and they drink blood and eat flesh. And, uh, and so Peter says, hey, it's a way you live that's going to impact your world. Verses 16 and 17, live as servants of God. Live as servants of God. Um, because you belong to God first. Uh, life is not about us. It's about him. Do you see yourself as a servant of God? Verse 16, uh, Peter says, live as free men. Do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. First he says, live as free men. This is pretty interesting because about a third of the first century world, people were servants or slaves. That was the nature of the economy of the day. A third of all people you could count on were actually uh, not free, but they were indentured servants or slaves. Um, so. And what the uh, Apostle Peter is talking about here is that when when uh, these people came to faith in Christ, they were free from sin and free from the impact of sin. They were free from the power of sin. So they were given the ability to overcome sin on a daily basis. And this freedom was way beyond any earthly freedom. It's a higher freedom. And he's saying, live as free men, but not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Uh, one simple application of that would be uh, just because you're saved and going to heaven and you know it, that doesn't give you permission to live a secret life and still go to heaven as if there's no big deal. Um, don't, don't let it be a cover-up. And I was thinking about um, this whole thing of... of uh, well, let me uh, quote Oswald Chambers here. Here's what Oswald Chambers said. He says, freedom is the ability not to insist on my rights. Freedom is the ability not to insist on my rights, but to see that God gets his rights. Um, that's what freedom is. And, you know, freedom is about a choice. I choose to submit. If I'm forced to submit, that's not a choice, and I'm really not submitting to authorities. Um, I think of a do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. When I was in seminary, I had a job at Southland Life Insurance Company. It was a 50-story building, and security, I had to go to the top and walk down and check every door in the building. And... Um, Got to meet a lot of different people in that. And one of the uh, Monday through Friday, every morning, very early, a guy came into the building named George. And George went through the whole building delivering Wall Street journals. That was his job. He was probably retirement age, and this was his main income, delivering Wall Street journals. Well, George had an interesting um, way of doing things. 
George established a church in his home. Nothing wrong with house churches. But it was simply to find out how far he could go with the government by establishing a church in his home. The members were George and his wife. All of George's income went to the church. George never paid any taxes, ever. And um, all the food that George bought for his home was food for the church. George never had to hold any meetings, but he was a church, a 501c3 organization. All I'm saying is, I think that's an illustration of a cover-up, using freedom uh, for evil. Uh, verse 17, uh, Peter writes, Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. He just sort of, as a general statement, show proper respect to everyone. Everyone. Think of all the people that you don't respect. Here's what God says. Every person is created in the image of God. Every person has human dignity. Every person Christ loved enough to die for them. A lot of the people that were enemies of Jesus, who made fun of him, didn't like him, came to faith in Christ later because of the way Christians lived. You don't know the impact you're going to have on people in your world if you follow Jesus. Even people you don't think are important or worthy or that the, the you know, you, I know there are people in your world and I think sometimes in my world that are just plain jerks. That's how they act. But God still can work in their life. God has a high view of people and he sent his son to die for them. Show respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood. This is Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another, just as I have loved you. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. It's the way we treat each other. Now, one of the hardest things in America today, if we were under persecution and we had stress all around us, we would be knit together. We would be in each other's lives that we would know each other. But because we still live in a, such a prosperous world and we have so much freedom it's hard to get into each other people's lives. The way we're going to do that is through our growth groups. But uh, we get so disconnected, and we can, you know, we we just can go wherever we want, and we can come when we want. That's all good. But it's that unity comes out of relationships. Loving one another is going to come out of relationships. We somehow have to spend enough time with each other to be able to help each other, care for each other, pray for each other, encourage each other. So love the brotherhood of believers, fear God. And that's not fear like be afraid. It's be in awe of how great God is. That's what it means to fear God and honor the king. He's right back. You got to honor Nero. We need to honor our president. Don't have to, in America, we don't have to agree with our president. We need to honor him no matter what. Uh, so um, watch your attitude toward your government. Government Verses 18 through 25, watch your attitude towards your employer. Watch your attitude toward your, toward your employer. And so in verse 18, submission to your employer is the general rule. And this is our application 
because we don't really have slavery. This is not human trafficking. We're talking, we don't, slavery in the first century was way different than human trafficking, and it even, was even way different than American slavery in the 17th, 18th, and 19th century in America. The, the, the issue of uh, indentured servants, the issue of slavery of the first century was way different. For example, when Peter wrote, I already mentioned a third of the Roman Empire was considered to be slaves. It was woven into the economy of the nations. Uh, It was much different. Um, Most slaves were employed and earned wages. They weren't property. They weren't people without rights. They weren't uh, enslaved because of their race. They weren't considered non-persons. It was a very important part of the economy. They earned wages. Some of them earned very good wages. Many were well-educated. Many were physicians, lawyers, teachers, sea captains. Um, they took care of families. They, they ran large businesses for um, their employers. Uh, A good percentage of slaves in the first century actually sold themselves into slavery to get out of debt. And and, uh, the common practice of slavery in the first century is that you could purchase your way out at the age of 30. And so people weren't slaves for life. And all I'm saying is different. I'm not trying to say what's right, what's wrong. I'm saying this is the nature of the world in the first century. And the interesting thing is, Jesus didn't say, or the apostles didn't say, form an army and go kill your masters. The instructions were, submit to those authorities over you. And our application is to submit to our employers, our supervisors, our bosses. Verse 18, slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. And I think it's very hard for us to understand slavery because of our background. Um, And it it certainly when we talk about slavery, there's all kinds of opinions in this room. And then if you talk to African-American, they have a totally different perspective sometimes than we do. And when you're talking about the first century, it's entirely different. And I certainly don't know all the answers. I do know that this applies to us. And I do know that we're supposed to submit to our employers. And why? The answer is, is that God has established this authority. Uh, we're to submit to those who are good and considerate. We're to submit to our employers that are good and considerate. And this is easy, and this is kind of a no-brainer. Secondly, we are to submit to those who are harsh and unjust, our employers. This is very hard for us Americans We have rights. Now, the danger for us is, and I just want you to think about this, we quickly place our rights above what God says. That's dangerous. Now, you do have rights. Do not leave out God's instructions. Um, Why should we submit to our employers? It's for the Lord's sake. Why should we submit to someone who's harsh and unjust? It's for the Lord's sake. Um, So one of the questions about 
What about when you, you have to work for somebody who's harsh and unjust? And one of the questions I, I would just ask us is, do we have to demand our rights? Do we always have to demand our rights? I'm not, asking, not talking about something that's immoral. If it's immoral, that's a whole other issue. I'm just talking about getting treated poorly. Do we have to demand our rights? There's ways that oftentimes in job where you can file a grievance. There's ways that you can communicate in a way that honors people. Um, I appreciated a story I read uh, by one of my uh, seminary professors, Howard Hendricks, was uh, on a flight and they were sitting on the tarmac and the flight got delayed. I don't know if you've ever been in air, sitting in an airplane when it got delayed. I think we were delayed six hours in Seattle once. That is not fun just to sit there. You know, you can hardly get up to go to the bathroom while you're sitting there. And the, the plane usually gets very uncomfortable. Circulation gets poor. Usually the, the cabin gets very warm. And, you know, people don't enjoy that. And uh, on this particular uh, flight, um, as they were sitting there, you know, people were starting to complain and they were unhappy and they were sort of taking it out on the flight attendants. And uh, Dr. Hendricks noted specifically there was one flight attendant who seemed to be extremely kind and patient. And after the flight finally took off, uh, Dr. Hendricks asked uh, the uh, young woman um, if what her name was, because he wanted to send a letter of commendation to her airline for her poise and self-control in a very difficult situation. She replied that she didn't work for the airline, that she worked for Jesus, and that she and her husband had prayed just before she left for work that day that she would be able to represent Jesus well in her workplace. And there's a good example of being in a sort of a harsh and unfair situation and not demanding rights she could say i don't have to take this and yet uh, she shined brightly for the sake of jesus in that situation verses 19 through 20 it's commendable to put up with harsh treatment to follow christ did you did you see that it's commendable to put up with harsh treatment to follow christ Verse 19, for it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it uh, to your credit if you receive a beating for doing what is wrong and endure it? You know, so what if you get mistreated in jail because you um, were, were, you broke the laws? Um, and And Peter is saying, if you have to put up with pain uh, and injustice because you were seeking to honor God, that's an entirely different manner. And he says it's commendable to God. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before, before God. It pleases God. It's to our credit when you put up with stuff. It's, uh, it's honoring to God. It's putting uh, with, up with unfair treatment. With a God-honoring attitude, it is, it is commendable before God. Um, Warren Wiersbe, former pastor of Moody Church, former uh, teacher on radio Bible class, uh, said this about submission. He said, submission is not subjugation. Um, 
Subjugation turns a person into a thing, a non-person, destroys individuality and removes all liberties. Submission makes a person become more of what God wants him to be. That's pretty powerful. Submission makes him... um, Submission makes a person become more of what God wants him to be. It brings out individuality. It gives him the freedom to accomplish all that God has for his life and ministry. Subjugation is weakness. It's the refuge of those who are afraid of maturity. Submission is strength. Submission is strength. That's, it's the first step toward true maturity and ministry. It's a choice to follow God's instructions. It's a choice of living by faith. It's a choice to put yourself in the place where you're going to allow God to use government to disciple you. You're going to allow God to use your employer to disciple you and help you to become more like Jesus Christ. Verses 21 through 25, following Christ, sometimes includes harsh treatment. Sometimes includes harsh treatment. Verses 21 through 23, we should follow in his steps. Look at verse uh, 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. You know, I didn't dream this up. I didn't come up with this cute little way to, you know, to talk to you this morning. Jesus was given his example so that we could follow in his steps. Jesus gave us an example of suffering in injustice so that we could follow in his steps. This is kind of a big deal. He is the ultimate model. He was innocent. He suffered unjustly. He did it for God's purposes. um, And the call to us is to follow him and to be willing to suffer for God's purposes and for God's sake. Verse 22, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth, and yet he faced major adversity. Verse 23, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. They badmouthed him. They made fun of him. They trash-talked him. They made jokes about him, and he did not retaliate. And that is not weaknesses. It was strength. He was submitting himself to God's purposes. We should also entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly. Verse 23. We should entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly. And this is what Peter says. Instead, he entrusted himself who judges justly. This is what Jesus did. He didn't demand his rights. He certainly didn't deserve to be crucified. And he entrusted him. So I'm going to let God take care of this. I'm going to let the just judge, the one who can handle all uh, things that are unfair. I'm going to uh, submit my life into his hands and we're to follow his example. We have higher laws. We have a higher power and we have a higher court to stand before one day. And so entrust yourself to him. Entrust yourself to God and let him handle the justice. It may mean not demanding your rights. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 19. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. 
So the whole vengeance thing, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends. It may mean giving up your rights sometimes, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. He's a judge. Some of the things he needs to handle. Um, Verses 24 and 25, we must die to sin and live for righteousness. We must die to sin and live for righteousness. Look at verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, died on the cross, paid the penalty for our sin. It was our redemption, the price paid for our sin. Right out of Isaiah 53, so that we might die to sins. Die to, um, he died so that we could have eternal life and forgiveness of sins, so that we could have salvation. And he died so that we would die to the power of sin in our lives on a daily basis. So we die to sin and to live for uh, righteousness. And to die to sin is to separate. It's to choose to honor God and not to follow uh, sinful impulses or sinful desires. And uh, Jesus' death has uh, made that possible, that we do have the resources, we do have the strength to die to sin and to live for him, to live for righteousness, to turn from sin and turn to God. And that power is available right this minute. It's not later, it's now. By his wounds you have been healed, Peter writes, right out of Isaiah 53, 5. This is not healing in the atonement. This, all that is is a description of the suffering, or we could say the passion of the Christ, the total suffering um, of Jesus going to the cross and, and dying uh, on the cross. It's a reference to the overall suffering death of Jesus for our sin. Yes, Jesus can heal, and yes, we were healed from our sin uh, when Jesus died. Verse 25, you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter said, you were like sheep. This is right out of Isaiah 53. And uh, you were going astray. You were, you were wandering around like a lost sheep, like a lost person. And now you've returned to the shepherd. You've come back to Jesus. You've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ by faith. And he is the shepherd the good shepherd of the gospel of John and the overseer of our souls. You know what he, as a good shepherd, he wants to lead and guide your life right now. He wants to give you direction. He wants you to follow, to follow in his steps. He's given a a model. He's given us an example. He is leading us right now. And he wants you and I to follow. Um, I would just simply say, if you seek to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, you must respect authority that God has placed in your life. So be careful with your attitude about government. God is the one who's placed the government authorities in your life right now. Be careful with your attitude about your employer, your supervisor. God has placed them in your life to help you grow. You don't have to agree with everything they say. You are responsible to submit to their authority. There are exceptions when when they ask you to break one of God's laws. 
you have a higher um, authority in your life that is calling you to follow him. Be careful with your attitude about government and your employer. Let's stand and let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. And um, sometimes your words are hard. And we admire them from afar. But when you get into our world, we get uncomfortable. When it dabbles with our um, view of government and with our view of the workplace, that's personal. Father, we... We want to learn. We want to follow Jesus. We want to be fully devoted to Jesus Christ. Instruct us, Father. Teach us. And uh, I pray that your Holy Spirit will remind us about our attitudes when we think about those who have authority over us. May we respect that authority. May we talk kindly. God, we're grateful that we live in a country that we can disagree with authorities. There are ways to do that. There's even ways to change laws. The goal of our life is not to be passionate about what we're against. The goal of our life is to be passionate about following Jesus. Help us to do that. Amen.